0: Are new kids killing the climate? Welcome to Answers News for Monday, July 3rd, 2023.
1: Hello, I'm Roger Patterson. And today I'm joined by Dr. Jennifer Hall Rivera and Jessica Jaworski. And we're going to be talking about an interesting study that relates how kids and parents and climate change. Parents are getting scared off by climate change, whether they should have more kids and all these interesting things and a lot of other stories. So let's jump right into that first one. We have a study here that was actually commissioned by Hewlett Packard. Think of them as the the technology company. And the results of this study give us this title, 53% of parents say that climate change affects their decision to have more kids. Now, this is kind of one of those scary headlines (laughs) that might kind of uh, put us off a little bit. And as we think about this from uh, the results that the study gave us, these parents were uh, asked a bunch of different questions. Now, these were, and it was an international sampling, so we had people from India, Mexico, um, America, UK. Forget, UK, mm-hmm. kind of, and so several different countries represented here to try to think through all of these issues, and a vast majority of them said that there was a significant influence on their thinking about how they purchased products and how they were going to raise kids and have kids and whether they were going to keep their job or change jobs based on how those companies dealt with things like climate change and social issues. So this has become a real hot-button issue today, pun intended. Pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to think through that a little bit and try and look at this from a biblical perspective. So as a parent myself, I don't think I ever had any concerns like this. And I those, can't say I ever did. Those things were around no, when I'm we were having kids. These were, had four children. Were
0: that never even crossed my mind, and, no. and, and some of the concerns these parents are talking about are like rising temperatures and water shortages and weather events, and, and we keep hearing this on the news a lot, and it's just a lot of fear-mongering and, and propaganda, but, you know, Jessica, you have a lot of experience in climate change and, and have a book coming out soon mm-hmm. about climate change for kids, so why don't you tell us a little bit about the reality um, of what we're seeing here. Yeah,
2: we don't need to be fearful when we see the claims of climate alarmism that the earth is going to be diminished and inhabitable and that we need to not have kids because of it. We can rest assured that God is both author and sustainer of his creation. He will care for his creation. We see that laid out in Genesis. And also too, it's it's ironic and it's often very sad that people are falling for some of this narrative and believing it and not having kids as a result. Children are often used as a crutch um, to push these harmful climate change policies, but yet... A lot of these leaders who are pushing this narrative also believe that humans are a blight on the Earth and want them to be removed, so it's not, it's not coinciding with their worldview initially. And we don't need to be fearful because the Earth is warming, but not to the extent that the climate, narrative, um, alarmist narrative is claiming. We see minimal amounts of warming that is happening in the Earth, and the temperature has been monitored from land-based weather systems since about the 1880s, and um, those uh, those weather stations are often uh, not spread out across the entire globe, and there could be bias where they're being um, uh, the temperature in those direct locations, those geographic locations. The most robust data we have for monitoring te- the temperatures from satellite data, which has been monitored since 1979, and our satellite data, which is our real-world observational data, shows that the Earth is not warming to the extent where we need to be worried or fearful. It's about degrees um, Celsius, so it's very minimal, and um, also the the, uh, the uh, climate models there's, that are used in these climate policies. So there's climate, uh, climate change models that are used in these climate policies. And they're saying that the earth is warming at about twice that rate, but that's not what we see with the real world observational data. So it's just important that we go back to God's word, his foundation where we see that he is both author and sustainer of his creation. And we need not give into the fearful claims when we see the sensationalist media headlines.
1: Yeah, and the other thing that we've really got to consider is the models that they're using don't fit with what we would consider the biblical Times. Scale, yeah. They're using a long ages view when they fit these models to the current temperature scales that we think about. Mm-hmm. So they're taking this 100 plus years of actual data that we have mm-hmm. and trying to extrapolate it back over hundreds of thousands and and then back of, of years. And a lot of assumptions go into that. We sure. assume
0: it was this temperature. We assume this. And all these models are made by man who are flawed and imperfect to begin with and we've talked about that so many times on here as you always have to go back to what is the statistical model that they used? Where did that you know? Where is this data coming from? Is this something observational, and what is even the model of the survey? Right, because you were yeah. talking about that. Is, is this survey even reliable? Yeah, you know, an interesting
1: point to that. Mm-hmm. One of the the questions here it says: Moreover, 43% of the parents surveyed said that they have reconsidered working for a company due to its commitment to environmental and social issues. Well. Which one are they really related here? Two, two totally different things. Is it the environmental factors or the social (laughs) factors? Things that we think of like the LGBTQ agenda that's um, pushed in lots of corporations and things today. So you're throwing these ideas out, and that's going to skew the way you answer these questions, the methodology of the study, the things that the propaganda that's that's being promoted. All of those things are going to skew the way you think about these things. And as Jessica said, we've got to. Ground all of our thinking in God's word. Take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. It's, it's scripture that's got to guide us and drive us in all of these things. Yeah,
2: climates do change their dynamic cyclic system. So it's important that we understand what we mean when we
0: say climate change too. But we see Genesis 8.22 and it clearly says, you know, God says processes are gonna remain until he comes. Sea time harvests are never gonna cease we don't need to be fearful. Yep.
1: God's right. going to bring yep. about that consummation mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we can trust him to maintain things until then.
2: Genesis one twenty eight also says, and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So God has commanded us if we are able to have children to be fruitful, to multiply and to mm-hmm. rule over creation and to subdue it.
1: All right, moving on, we have an opinion piece coming to us that deals with the kind of the um, climate of religious views within America. And this writer, Jessica Gross, is pointing out that there's been a drastic change in the number of Americans who say that they have a religious perspective. So if we look back to 1998, about 25 years ago, uh, at that point, about 62% of people said they would would have said they have a specific religious view and today that's fallen to only 39% and many of those would be of course a christian view and she's looking at this and concerned that from a sociological perspective that people are losing valuable things That religious community has offered and she's trying to reach out to people who are connected to her um, and try and offer them some hope and how they can be connected and and grow friendships and community and those types of things and some very interesting things to think through but We have to point out the fact that even if you claim you're not religious, the category that's been popularized as the nuns, now that's not N-U-N, that's N-O-N-E. Okay, those who say we have no religious affiliation. You really do. Everybody worships something.
0: And it's interesting because she actually says, you know, she was like, Well, I guess she was confused because she says, you know, at the same time, you know, she says, we're still much more pious than our peer nations in Western Europe. And she goes, a vast majority of Americans still say they believe in God. And we both tagged that as like, well, what God, right? Because we see that, especially in America today, in this society that we live in, it's like, well, everyone almost professes to have their own God or who they choose to be their God or what they choose to worship or bring into their life as worship." And Roger, you had an excellent term to coin this. It's cafeteria cafeteria.
1: spirituality. (laughs) You just take a heap of this and a heap of that and put it on Mm -hmm. your plate and arrange it however you want. There's no, and she's lamenting um, this this loss of this community, and there's no more organized religion in a lot of people's lives. What we think of, you go to a a church and you have that function and that um, organization in your life. But people just kind of add this bit of here and a bit of that from there and and mix all these things together. And it doesn't make sense and it doesn't fit and they lose Mm -hmm. those structures. It's almost like... God intended those things and he had a plan and a purpose in those things for us.
2: Yeah, and then they were uh, quoting somebody here too that they asked about it and she said, I was raised Pentecostal and went to church three or more times a week so I desperately missed the community. I was, It was where my friendships came from. I have very few friends now so the, the church should be an area where we can have friendships, where we do fellowship, where we have a sense of community but that's not the ultimate purpose of church. The church is to exist to exalt Christ. We have the living hope of Christ as believers and we're called to go share the gospel, to be founded on Christ in the church, and to make it known to other people too, so we can share that living hope with others.
1: Many of these people said they've moved away from organized religion because of the divisive and exclusionary and conservative politics, but really we shouldn't be focused on those things as politics per se, I think it's the biblical morality that a lot of people are moving away from. They don't like having to deal with sin mm-hmm. and, and rec- recognizing right. the accountability mm-hmm. right. of yeah. sin in their yeah. lives. Mm-hmm. That's a big issue that a lot of people are dealing with. So if you move away from that and you say, I'm not religious, I'm just spiritual, and the God I believe in
0: allows, doesn't have right. a problem with that. It right. allows whatever I choose to yeah. do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The God of yeah. self. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep.
1: And when there's no king, when there's no God in place, everyone does
0: what is right in what's their own right eyes. in their own
1: eyes. And that's what we're seeing as mm-hmm. uh, we can see that moral decline, that moral decay, and lots of different issues. And we can walk through all these different issues and, and deal with those. Uh, we've got a, a great resource. I mean, we think of our ministry as an equipping ministry. Uh, we've got this book here Quick Answers to Social Issues, and uh, it's got a foreword from Dr. George Purdom written by uh, Brian Osborne, and it deals with a lot of those things, how that moral fabric of our society that has this Christian foundation has been degraded and how we see those things falling away. Now, a lot of that was kind of a a facade, but at least those things were there uh, to block a lot of that decay and those immoral things in our society. But the church is there to continue to um, hold fast to those things and point those things out and call people to repentance and and trusting in Christ and those things. All right, our next one takes us out of this world. If aliens contact Earth, it may not be humans who get the call, an expert from Harvard says. So here we have uh, this professor who is expecting not contact with humans directly when aliens come, but because these aliens might not send um, biological beings to Earth, but AI, like machines or equipment that they would develop to come to Earth, that maybe their AI would contact our AI because they have this kinship relationship. And so his expectation is not direct contact from biological aliens to biological humans, but... AI to AI, right? Makes perfect sense because that's <laughs> what we should expect. A
2: lot of assumptions there. So yeah, how do we know that their AI, AI would even be able to communicate. communicate with our
0: AI? We don't know that. <laughs> and he, he, say, he refers to it as a, a kinship, right? Mm-hmm. He says that they're going to be able just to like almost recognize each other, right? Mm-hmm. And have this instant communication when these aliens, and, and you can definitely see evolutionary undertones here because he's saying, well, it takes 50,000 years, right, to travel by rocket. so you know, even if they sent them that long ago, there is no way, right, that a biological entity would likely be alive. So it would have to be some type of artificial intelligence that could still be living or, right. or functioning at the time right. to then communicate with us when they get here.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the last um, one of the last sentences, too, he says the, that he has a lifelong interest in the UFO and para, para, paranormal. And so a UFO is an unident, unidentified flying object, so anything that goes across the sky can be a UFO. So it doesn't necessarily mean that it's extraterrestrial either, so that's important to mm-hmm. notice as well. Yeah,
1: one of the newer terms is UAP, Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. And connected with this, there have been these meteors flying through the sky, and and, uh, he's identified one of these, and it's crashed into the ocean back in 2014, and they think they've found part of this. And potentially, there's this technological components of this. They're looking for it on the bottom of the ocean. And this British filmmaker uh, musician is with them. Mm -hmm. And they're documenting all of this and trying to produce a documentary of that. And attached to that, there's this new film that's gonna be coming out uh, tomorrow, Tomorrow. actually, July 4th. Um, Wait, the British are releasing a film to the Americans on July 4th.
0: About aliens. God versus aliens.
1: Maybe there's a subversive element in there, (laughs) I don't know but anyway so the point is in all of this if there's contact with these aliens we're going to learn something new and we might have to rewrite the bible
0: and what i find so interesting too is he talks about the elements that you know comprises device and and we were saying it's all elements that we recognize today. So just because we may find a certain composition that doesn't resemble something we've already documented or discovered or observed doesn't mean it's not something from outer space that maybe is new, right? And that this mm-hmm. is just something new that we've discovered and it could be just a meteorite. It doesn't mean it's alien or yeah. origin. So. Right. It
1: doesn't have nickel yeah. in it like other meteorites that we find. That doesn't mean that we just haven't found a meteorite meteorite like mm-hmm. that before
2: mm-hmm. yeah from a gospel perspective too god sent jesus to die for people here on earth too so we don't see a god cling on or god alien it's it's for people here mm-hmm. on earth as well so that's important to remember mm-hmm.
1: and another resource our own dr danny faulkner has dealt with this and maybe if you're here in the audience today uh, you've seen the planetarium show upstairs aliens fact or fiction so how do we deal with this and uh A lot of the alien speculation really goes back to the evolutionary view, because if there are billions of galaxies and and billions of planets in those galaxies, then life must have evolved somewhere else in the billions of years that the universe has, has existed. And we think through all those things from the evolutionary perspective, it seems to make sense. But from the biblical perspective, God created the earth to be inhabited. He Created us as a special capstone on his creation. We're the pinnacle of that creation. The only things, as far as we can tell from Scripture, who are created in his image to have that special relationship with him. All right, this is a fascinating one, especially uh, from a forensic science (laughs) perspective. Fossil marks suggest hominids butchered one another around 1.45 million years ago. Uh, so this puts these fossils in what we'd call the Pleistocene layer, and these hominids would be, uh, from the evolutionary perspective, of course, human-like ancestors. So the suggestion here, although they can't identify this bone fragment specifically, it's a lower, lower leg bone, it's either Homo habilis or Homo erectus, or even one of the, um, an ape-like species called Paranthropus boisei. And they're not quite sure which one it is, so we can't even identify exactly which bone or which organism this comes from, so we're not sure. But it could have been cannibalism among these hominid species that are our human-like ancestors. And interesting thing <laughs> here, they're trying to do good comparisons and good science. So comment on the science of the, the tool would, marks versus the, uh, the tooth the, the, marks for
0: just the a second. The really only good observational science component of this article that's not based on assumptions was they did find these like little cut marks in the bone. Um, and and here we they, had, here's an image of right, them Right, and here. we've <laughs> seen this in forensic science before. You know, we, we do find bones and you can sometimes find evidence that you know, there was foul play involved, someone was trying to dispose of something, and they cut something up. And so you can sometimes see this, and so they do see these marks there, and they do do some 3D imaging on it, mm-hmm. and they were actually able to determine that they were from some type of tool and not from like, let's say, a bite mark. Like, a, I think they said a saber tooth. From a tooth, tooth, from right, saber a crocodile tooth or, right, or something. Or a so cat. that was pretty fascinating. I thought that was pretty cool that they could tell, yes, this is definitely from some type of tool. It was intentional, mm-hmm. I yeah. guess you could say. So but that is about where the actual observational science ends everything else in here and they admit to that over and over again is is an assumption right at, mm-hmm. at best so it's and not even a very good one.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah. We don't we don't know if it was cannibalism or it could have been a medical procedure. Maybe they cut because they were doing some kind of medical procedure. We just don't know for sure for sure. So there's a lot of assumptions that are made here too. And the headline too is kind of sensationalist, but the researcher themselves quote several times, they say that no consensus exists on the species identity of the ancient leg fossil. And they also quote, there is also no way to tell whether a hominid from the same species or a different species left stone tool marks on the leg fossil. So the researchers themselves are recognized recognizing that they don't know all the information, but the the headline is a bit sensationalized. Yeah, so that's a good reminder
1: that if you're looking at things from a popular website that's trying to relate scientific information, Mm -hmm. sometimes those popular sites are going to relate these sensationalized ideas. The real scientists are saying, let's be a little more careful and think through these things. Even though they have lot of And if it was humans,
0: and we talked about that, if it was humans, and, and this is an ape creature then they're just you know, harvesting the meat to eat mm-hmm. for food. Uh, and that would not be surprising. It's not cannibalism because they're not our relatives. So yes. that, that's <laughs> the key to understand here is that, um, but like I said, they can't identify the bone with 100% certainty. Yeah, so, so we can
1: certainly reject this. Looking at mm-hmm. the Bible as our authority, we can reject this as a 1.45 million year old bone, uh, but we can certainly see the evidence shows there's something's cut this bone. How that happened is where we have to be careful and think through these things and um, be a little more diligent than just saying, oh, maybe this was cannibalism in our ancient ancestors. All right, from Science Daily, humans' ancestors survived the asteroid impact that killed the dinosaurs around 66 million years ago. Okay, so this is the uh, supposed asteroid impact that occurs at what we know as the KPG or the Cretaceous-Paleogene boundary. And when I... If, let's, okay, just pretend for a moment, you're evolutionists, you're thinking from that evolutionary mindset. What comes to mind when I say you're human ancestors?
0: I would assume ape if I was an evolutionist. Yes, I, was, I would say some type of primate okay,
1: ancestor. Okay, not even close. We'd go way, way, way for the back of the net. Think of some little shrew-like creature crawling through the grass, trying a, not to get stomped on by... spot sludge on the ground? <laughs> yeah, not quite that far back, but from the evolutionary tree of life, this puts it back to the time when there was some small mammal, placental mammal uh, crawling through the grass, trying not to get stepped on by some dinosaur so that they could survive. The asteroid impacts, wipes out all of the non-avian dinosaurs. It specifically says non-avian
2: dinosaurs. And then
1: leaves room for these small mammal-like creatures to erupt and take over all these different niches that are exposed.
2: Yeah, you can see the bias right there with that first sentence about the earth resulted in the death of all non-avian dinosaurs. We go back to God's word, we see that birds were created on day five and dinosaurs on day six. So you can't have a bird from a dinosaur if birds were created before dinosaurs. So that's important to remember to go back to God's word and his foundation because a lot of times in evolutionary ideology in universities around the world and museums around the world, they're teaching that backyard birds are modern day dinosaurs when they're not.
0: And I think part of this is they're finding these, um, what they, what it's evolutionary again, because they're saying human ancestors, so these placental creatures, and they say like carnivores, like dogs and cats, and, yeah. and they're talking about these other ones, you know, these ancestors of ours, you know, are in the same layer with the dinosaurs, and they're trying to explain that, right, and, but to us, it makes perfect sense. That's exactly what we'd expect to see. If you believe in the biblical glory of God's word, and you see the, the biblical account of you know, Noah's flood and what occurred after that, and we know the catastrophic processes in place and things would have been buried very rapidly in layers together, and that is exactly what we would expect is to see different creatures uh, you know, buried in these same layers. Uh, so from a biblical perspective, it's not something you know that yeah. n- requires explanation for us. And
1: this wasn't even something that they directly observed of these fossils. They're taking fossils that they know of in these layers and extrapolating backward, trying to figure out where their ancestors would have been based on computer modeling. Uh, So, they're not even taking direct evidence, they're using the evidence that they have and interpreting those things backward and forward. So, we've got to be even more careful with those things. Now, we use computer modeling in, in our scientific studies, so it's not that that's an illegitimate use, we've just got to be careful with those things and understand the limitations of those. All right, here's a uh, sad story coming to us out of Texas. A biology professor fired after telling students sex is based on chromosomes. Now, I've taught biology a few times, and this is the way I always present it, because as we read in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, God created male and female. Male and female, he created them, gave them dominion over the fish of the sea, the cattle, the birds, all of those things that are listed there. And when we think about that determination, when the egg and the sperm come together, that's the moment when that sex is, a, is determined by God. And his, his creative hand is over all of those things. We wind up with two X's. You're a?
0: Female.
1: We wind up with an X and a Y. You're a? Male. Any other options normally? No. 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 There are, of course, variances with that when there are mistakes in those things. Um, So this man seems to have been teaching that biological fact and and run afoul of some students. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's unfortunate that there are people who are being discriminated for their religious positions here, and and, and it can just... Remind us to be in prayer for the uh, professors and other teachers who are out there who are teaching these things and who are confirming God's word that we need to be in prayer for them. We can pray for them that they would be strong and courageous in the Lord and remain faithful to God's word in these issues as well. And and
0: even though he's been teaching the same thing for 20 years, now he's being fired for it. And And he wasn't even doing it
1: from a biblical perspective. He was just teaching biology. I mean, we've been teaching
0: biology, I'm probably close to 20 years now, and I teach this exact same thing. We just taught it last week that there's only two options. There's only two genders, right? And that's Genesis 127. Um, And he wasn't even bringing in the religious component. I mean, he is an associate pastor, but it wasn't like he was, you know, trying to push his beliefs onto his students. He was just saying, this is what the science says, and and he's fired for Mm -hmm. it. Now, many will
1: even distinguish between sex and gender, in the secular view, right. they'll say, well, sex might be determined by chromosomes, but gender is a spectrum, mm-hmm. and that's a sociological construct, and those types of things. And it appears that he was even teaching just that sex was XX and XY, and so this is a little bit confusing. We'll have to see if there's more information that'll come out from this, mm-hmm. uh, but he's um, got legal counsel pursuing this and trying to understand uh, all these things. will be interesting to see how this plays out in the future. All right, we go across the pond over to Italy. Italian prosecutor demands cancellation of birth certificates for lesbian couples. So in um, Italy, it is a uh, not a uh, position where they have actual marriages for gay couples, but they have civil unions, so it's not a full marriage. And in this instance, there have been some situations where Two women have been together in those civil unions. One of them has gotten pregnant and the other one has then been put on the birth certificate as the other mother in that situation. And one of the, a prosecutor in one of the regions of Padua has said that's not acceptable and now that's been reversed. And so they're looking at 33 of these specific cases and removing the um, non-parental mother in this case and saying, no, you can't be on the birth certificate, and this has um, raised the hackles of those within the LGBTQ mm-hmm. community and the concern uh, of those people affected by this.
0: Yeah, so we see a situation where we have a union that's not natural, right? It's not part of God's design, and at least Italy says marriage is only between a man and a woman. You know, at least they're they're making that statement, but they are allowing these civil unions, and you have these mothers who are not the biological mother of the child, it makes sense that they should be removed from the birth certificate. They have no biology contributing to this child, just the biological mother. They are allowing them to go. It's not like they're saying, what what was the harsh language they used in here where they said they were making them orphans? One of the
1: parliamentarians who's complaining against this has used this very inflammatory language saying, these children are being orphaned by decree. This is a cruel inhumane decision. And
0: they're not being orphaned. They're not stripping not it from the biological mother and then they're just requiring the mm-hmm. the same-sex partner of the mother to then go through some type of adoption procedure. There is like a, legal, a tedious legal procedure they can go to to then become a parent, you know, through adoption of this child, but
2: Right. Yeah, marriage is an institution that was created by God. We see that laid out in Genesis between one man and one woman. And then in Matthew 19, it's reiterated when Jesus says, Have you not read he who made them from the beginning made them male and female? And what God has joined together, let not man separate.
1: We look (laughs) forward to the New Testament. We see Paul expounding that to uh, the relationship between Uh, the husband and the wife being a picture of Christ in the church and the fullness of that and how the gospel is proclaimed in a marriage. And it's just a reminder to us that God has put all of these things in place to point us to his truth. And when we twist and pervert that truth, we're gonna wind up with bad situations and that's what happens with sin. Sin distorts everything around us. And it's when we recognize that sin around us, but most importantly within us, that we can turn away from that and we repent of that and trust that Christ has paid for that sin, that we can find the remedy and the wholeness in that. And that's what we would hope in all of these situations. And as as we do this program, as we communicate as a ministry, um, it's not that we're sitting here wagging our fingers at everyone. It's that we know the hope that we have found in Christ, and we want to point other people to those things. We want to equip you to be sharing that message of hope, the hope of the gospel with others, and that's the real message of our ministry here at Dancers in Genesis and all of those things. Uh, With that, that's the end of our news items for today, but we do have a couple more resources we want to point you to. Um, speaking of sin and the corruption that's in the world, uh, our founder Ken Ham has recently released a new book, Divine Dilemma, and this is kind of his uh, story of dealing with death and disease in the world, especially his family's mm-hmm. uh, struggle, his his brother uh, who died from a brain disease and dealing with why is there death and suffering in the world Uh, So if you've ever wrestled through those things or know somebody who's dealing with that, this would be a great, great book resource uh, to try to walk through those things. And then uh, we've got a great uh, resource that comes from our team, Mm -hmm. uh, our educational content team, Answers Bible Curriculum. Uh, I've been a part of that for the last (laughs) 13 years or so working on this. Uh, We have uh, great Sunday school material as well as a homeschool edition of this. Uh, So really good resources uh, to be able to equip your families, your churches, or even for individual study uh, to think through how you uh, understand God's word as a big picture chronological study walking through those things.
0: You know, I've been using really it for a year and things. a half at yeah, our, church, our church teaching our ladies class. And these are ladies who've been in church 50 years. And I've been using ABC and they're just, they say, we don't even want to miss a Sunday because they just can't wait to hear because we're diving in so deep and they're learning things and making connections that were never there before. Because I can't think of another curriculum that does what our ABC curriculum does. So I just can't recommend it enough. And we have, it goes from pre-K all the way through adults. So oh, the yeah. entire church can be on the same page learning the same information. So it is just fantastic.
1: I right, mm-hmm. great resource there for you. That's all we've got for you today. So thank you for joining us. Until we see you next time, God bless.